Praise the Lord for the wonderful message of that song. And I thank God for the opportunity, uh, opportunity to share uh, God's word tonight. And thank God for the wonderful church anniversary that we had last Sunday for a good dosage of God's word that we heard. Amen. We are so blessed. And tonight, uh, we will look at one of uh, the prayers of Apostle Paul. We'll enter uh, his prayer closet tonight since his prayer meeting. Uh, just want to give a simple message about prayer. So if you have your Bibles with you, please stand with me as we give honor and reverence to God's word. And let's turn our Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 to 23. <laughs> All right, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. Okay, if you're there, say amen. amen. And let's read this all together, and let's read it with understanding, and then we'll have a, a word of prayer. Okay, let's begin reading. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us ward who believe according to the working of his mighty power." which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this blessed night that you've given to us. Truly, Lord, thou art good, thou art faithful, and thou art uh, bless us with so much uh, blessings today just for the gift of life you have provided for us today that we're able to be about and be able to do our uh, uh, jobs and accomplish something, Lord, for our family, for our company, for uh, others. Uh, we thank you, Lord, most of all for the wonderful salvation that we have in Christ Jesus, for the forgiveness of our sins, for our eternal home in heaven, for all the spiritual blessings and riches that we have in Christ. Truly, Lord, we are so blessed and thou art so good to us. And once again, Lord, we ask you for your blessing as we ponder upon your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for our church where uh, our doors are still open on a Wednesday midweek prayer meeting and that your heart has still, uh, uh, your people has still has the heart, Lord, to come here and praise your name and hear the preaching of thy word and pray together collectively as your people. And help us, Lord, to uh, glean some uh, wonderful truths and blessing upon uh, these verses of scripture that we just read. And we also pray, Lord, for your cleansing and forgiveness from all our sins and our shortcomings. And we pray that you bless our time now, uh, even the rest of this night. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. You may be seated. Also for a testimony, I'd like to praise and thank God 
for the wonderful uh, 36th church anniversary that we had. And we thank God for uh, uh, the word of God that has, has been preached. And truly, God has been faithful and good to our church. You know, um, our church has been here, uh, I think, in this property in the middle of the 90s, isn't it? When it was purchased. And we know uh, some of the history of our church. It's uh, established uh, by faith. Amen. Uh, from scratch with Pastor Max and Madam Josie. And we thank God for their lives, for pioneering this church, and for building it up, for uh, all the sacrifices, the prayers that they offer to God. And of course, the church is no, it's not just a, an organization or the building, but it's really the people, amen? The parishioners, the people uh, that God has sent uh, this church uh, all these years. And some of you are still here since the beginning. And we thank God for the faithful members, officers, and deacons of our church. And thank God for uh, this property that it's provided for us, fully paid. Amen. Uh, thank God for the 100 missionaries that we're able to support last year. And the many missionaries that we are looking forward to support this year for uh, another program for the year 2024. Uh, we praise and thank God for the five Bible study groups that we had that we have like a lot of members growing in their faith through that avenue and a lot of uh, men also can exercise their spiritual gift of teaching and various ministries in our church like nursing home you know and our uh, recent shelter ministry those that come here so they could hear the gospel and um, uh, also those uh, people that were able to minister here in our church like visiting missionaries evangelists and also friends that we have so God has been good, amen? God has been faithful to us, and uh, he has provided all our needs. And despite of us, amen, we are still here. And most of all, we thank God for even the, the like the second generation, I, I, I should say, like our young professionals, like being so involved, amen, and active, like a wonderful core group of our church. So we bless the Lord, and to him be, be honor and glory, and we pray that we'll continue to to serve him together. Amen? So as we look at this passage of scripture about uh, the passionate prayer of Paul, we know he is a man of prayer because uh, we cannot do really anything until we pray, isn't it? Uh, or after we pray. Before, during, and until we do something, we ought to have prayer in our lives. And when we think of prayer warriors, like prayer warriors who are courageous, who are consistent, who are committed in their prayer life, we think of uh, Bible characters like Moses, isn't it? In Deuteronomy chapter 9, you don't have to turn there. We know that he interceded for his people because it was during that time that God has given him the 10 tablets of stone, the 10 commandments, the Decalogue in Mount Sinai. And he was there for 40 days and 40 nights communing with God. And the people of uh, the, the Israelite nation has just been freed from the bondage of Egypt, a miraculous deliverance from God, isn't it? All those, uh, you know, like uh, the, the, the false gods, the pagan gods of Egypt versus the one true living God, Jehovah. It's like a contest, and we know uh, those false gods has no match with the only one true God of Moses. So he delivered them with a great spoil, empowered them, divided the Red Sea, defeated their enemies, and then, look at that, when Moses came down, from that Mount Sinai, worshiping God, getting the commandments, 
getting the law, he saw the people already breaking the law. Isn't it? The commandments. They, you know, had this lame excuse that they are, got tired of waiting for Moses and they even had a connivance with Aaron and they gave him uh, their jewelries. Their, and then he said he made excuse, he threw it in the fire and came this molten calf, one of the gods, false gods, that they worship in Egypt and they start worshiping it. Isn't it? Doing all this uh, orgy and immorality and, you know, uh, shamefulness. And God said, I will go into annihilate, isn't it? I'm going to destroy these uh, wicked people, hard-hearted people, evil people. And I will start anew with, Mo with you, Moses. But Moses intervened. Moses was a prayer warrior in behalf of this stiff-necked generation because, you know, he was, you know, a, a meek person. He was... Uh, asking God for compassion. So we also see the prayers of David in Psalms 51 when he was confessing his sins and seeking help. And a lot of great Psalms were written by David when, especially when he was, you know, being pursued by Saul, when he also fell into sin and he lost the joy of his salvation and his restoration. So great prayers. Also, we found the prayers of this another uh, prayer warrior Elijah on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 8. He was calling down fire from heaven. Amen. He was once again proving to the children of Israel there's only one true living God. And he can defeat their enemies and they had to destroy their idols and turn back to him. Then we also know the prayer of Daniel when he was praying against the law in a hostile land. You know, he was always praying three times a day, and not breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? But he has a set time of prayer, praying for the people of Israel, uh, looking his face toward the east, and then even there was a law that, uh, a trick law that nobody can pray, unless to the Nebuchadnezzar, isn't it? Because of his enemies, those people are envious of him, he still prayed toward God. You uh, know, not thinking of the, the punishment of that, uh, law because his law of obedience to God is higher than any man's law. So he was really a prayer warrior. And then of course we know the prayer of Nehemiah. For four months he fasted and prayed before you know, going to the king and asking for uh, permission to go back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And one of the longest prayers recorded in the book of Nehemiah. Then of course last Sunday we heard the preaching about the prayer of Jabez, isn't it? fourfold prayer to enlarge his cause, you know, to, to bless him, you know, so he could be a blessing to others, you know, and God's hand to be upon him, not evil to be upon him. So what a great prayer, and God granted his prayer from being a man of sorrow. He rejoiced in the Lord for the Lord answering his prayer. But what about Paul? We know that there are many prayers recorded from others, but few from him. And we know he's a great Christian. He's a great missionary. So today we'll go to his, one of his prayer found in the verses of scripture that we just read. And keep in mind when this prayer was written, when this epistle is written, this prayer was written from a Roman prison. All right? He was bound by chains. His liberty is restricted, but his prayers could not be held down. That's the blessing of the privilege of praying to God. Amen? You know, you can be bound, you can be restricted, you can be prohibited, but you can always, anytime, anywhere, utter a word of prayer before God Almighty. We can come boldly to the throne of grace, amen? 
Because prayer is our spiritual oxygen. You know, you'll die as a Christian if you won't pray. And look at that. Even though he was restricted, he still prayed to God, his maker, his savior, his redeemer. Talking about restriction, you know, uh, it's so sad here in America. This is one of the most blessed nation in the world because of its Judeo-Christian roots. But when it comes to the... Uh, the moral and spiritual condition of America. It seems like it's now turning to like, of course, being liberal for some time, but paganism, isn't it? And humanism is coming in the scene and like even post-Christian as we see because they try to push away God, push away prayer since the 1970s. They said you can not pray in school right now because you might offend somebody. And But still, as Christians, we can pray. Amen? You can pray in school anytime you want. And the student says, as long as there are tests. No, even then there's no tests, you can pray, amen? You can pray for your teachers to know the Lord, your classmates to know the Lord, to have uh, the Lord's mercy to, to be upon them, that they will hear the gospel. You can pray anytime, anywhere. You can pray on the road, amen? Just keep your eyes open, all right? Okay, and uh, sometimes that's one of the times that I could uh, pray, like, when you hear, sometimes you turn on the radio, there's a news, and then maybe a bad news. You can pray for some of those things in your prayer time, isn't it? When there's a red light, all right? Or I remember somebody uh, from the brethren, from the household of faith that has a need. You can pray. You can pray on your bed, on your knees, at the table, in church. You can pray without ceasing, as the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. So tonight, quickly... Three things that we can see in Paul's passionate prayer here. We can see the reason Paul prayed, the request that he prayed, and the result of his prayer. So first, the reason that Paul prayed. In verses 15 and 16 of Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible declares, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. The reason that he prayed here, we can see a good report of the Ephesian believers. Amen? You know, the Ephesus uh, church, the Ephesian church was uh, uh, founded by these two uh, uh, wonderful Christian individuals, actually a couple, Priscilla and Aquila. They went there, you know, and then they were followed by Apostle Paul who spent almost three years there and then he left Timothy to pastor that church. That church is also mentioned in the book of Revelation, one of the seven churches, you know, and uh, it was in a, in a very uh, well-known place, city, but also there's that uh, worship of Diana, false uh, fertility god, but also a very important city when it comes to commerce and trade. And there are this group of people that God saved. And God used the apostle and Timothy to uh, give them, you know, wonderful uh, teachings of the Bible, and even though they are oppositions, they are like false teachers, like Himanius, who, who try to come into the scene and teach them false stuff, but they are known of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their love unto all the saints. And Apostle Paul is just giving thanks to God in their behalf for their faith, for their love for the brethren. It's the evidence that they are truly saved that they are truly a believer because they have a love for the brethren, the disciples of the Lord. And you know what? Faith and love of the saints, what a good way to give thanks to God. 
And you know, I could also relate to Apostle Paul in that behalf that I could thank God for you folks that are here tonight. And for those us with us virtually because for your love for God, for your faithfulness to God. And it's always an encouragement to all the leaders in the church whenever they see you faithfully coming to church. It's not just your duty to come here, but it's your delight. Amen? Your desire to come here to commune with God. It's not just a commandment to be obeyed, isn't it? Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, but it is also your commitment to God, you know, to be here. It's not just, you know, uh, an obligation to be here, but I believe it's your occupation to be here. You like to occupy the time that you have in the Lord to redeem the time because the days are evil. You are here because you have a reason to be here, and that is to praise God. Amen? To pray collectively with the believers. So he gives thanks to, the, to God for their faith and love. And you know what? Sometimes it's a shame that most of our prayers are about something negative. We got motivated to pray in those times, and that's okay. Because we live in a broken world, in a fallen world. We have sufferings, amen? We are motivated to pray when somebody's sick, of course. We are motivated to pray when a tragedy happens, or a mishap, or a, a negative circumstance happened to our lives. We get to motivate to pray when that happens. And it's okay, it's normal, because we are God's children. He wants us to come to Him and cast our burdens upon Him. But let's be careful about treating God like just an errand boy or a genie, isn't it? Because you know what? Spiritual maturity comes, or one of the means that it comes is not just we build a relationship with God with just asking. Our relationship with God is more than that. Because He already knows what we need. Amen? There are times that we just need to go to God and give Him thanks. He says there, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. You know, um, one of my uh, personal goals for this year is to pray more. You know, to pray more for our members here in our church. You might not probably hear from me, but by God's grace, I love to mention your name in my prayers. And bring your needs toward God. Because we all need prayers, amen? We only need uh, intervention from the Lord. So, somebody says this, sometimes the consistency of God's blessing is often the very thing which causes us to take them for granted. Isn't it? The consistency of God's blessing is often the very thing which causes us to take them for granted, that we forget to give thanks, to give praise to the one who gives it. You know, sometimes um, our children can experience this, isn't it? Because they are used to having those things that for them is just normal, that they forget to give thanks. And when you lose something, when you don't have that thing, then you start to realize the value of it, the importance of it. Amen? So it's like we, we take for granted sometimes the day that we have a wonderful weather like sunshine. But look at the people who live in Alaska. They have 10 months of winter, all right? Or, or probably less than that. And they don't really see the sun. But for us, we take it for granted sometimes, isn't it? We don't get a lot of vitamin Ds, all right? When that happens. So uh, let's not get used over the blessings that God pours to us. Over the years, probably here in the church, we have gotten used to the blessings of the citizens in church until sometimes they are not there, they vanish, 
and, and then when it comes, we really appreciate it when it happens. Decisions. And if you can still view spiritual decisions and spiritual revival and yawn, sometimes it's, you know, disturbs me when, when, when somebody preaches here or somebody sings and somebody yawn. Like, you know, where's the etiquette, isn't it? You can, like, you can try to hold it or like, try to lessen it. But not yawn like you're in your living room, isn't it? For everybody to heard. Like, you know, it's, it's not appropriate. And most of all, it's not pleasing to God. Because it's supposed to, we are supposed to be in, in the presence of the Almighty, the awesome God, isn't it? He deserves reverence and respect. But sometimes probably it slips away, you know? <laughs> but, you know, uh, you, if you... You will yawn and be bored with spiritual matters, then there's a problem inside of you, isn't it? And you need to have your check, heart check. So here, just simply saying, the reason that Paul prayed is just for the good report of the Ephesian believers. He gave thanks for their faith and love. Second thing, the request that Paul made, verses 17 and 18, is very specific. It says there that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Wow, that's one, once again another passive scripture of the deity of Christ, isn't it? The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, their nature, their deity is together there. May give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened. So, his request here is very specific that the Ephesian believers, also we can apply this to us as believers nowadays, here in Bergen Bible Baptist Church, that they might know God more personally. Amen? You see, folks, isn't it? We are reminded here in our church that the gospel that we receive is not just that we can be saved. Yes, it's great to be saved. I'm not going to hell anymore. I'm going to heaven. God is preparing a place for me. But you know what? It doesn't end there. Amen? The gospel is not just that we can be saved. It is that we can know God and grow in that knowledge. And all the Bible study that we will have is not just to have knowledge about God, but is to have more Christ in us and His righteousness, isn't it? And you know what? The more you expose yourselves, you know, you, you don't take it as like a routine or a drag to go to Bible study, to go to prayer meeting. You know what? I, I, we notice the more people that are you know, expose and attend those services or opportunities to grow, the more they are built up in their faith. Amen? You will not say that they don't have any problems, that they don't have any challenges in life, or, but you know what? Their life is worth living. Because you know what? They are obedient to the calling, the will of God in their lives. We grow in that knowledge. As marriage couple, married couple, isn't it marriage, practically speaking, should grow in like manner as the years go by? That's why we have the song, Sweeter, as the years go by. That's why we celebrate 25th year of anniversary, 50 years. And the more these uh, two individuals as a couple grow together in their love to God, like that, the more they become more compatible, amen? The more their communication is sweeter, the more their commitment towards each other is stronger. Because if the foundation is the love of God... If they draw themselves to God first, then they will draw themselves to each other also. You see, to know God, somebody says there, to know God initially is salvation. To know God increasingly is sanctification. And to know God ultimately is our glorification. Amen? 
And you always hear this. What is the purpose of man when we got saved? Why God created us is to know him, isn't it? And to make him known. And when to know God initially in salvation, there's also a progress, you know, time lapse or time tenses in our salvation. When we got saved, we are saved immediately from the penalty of sin. Amen? And when we got saved, also we got saved progressively from the power of sin. And also we will be saved ultimately in the presence of sin. So we praise God that, you know, our knowledge of the Lord can grow more and more as time goes by. Look at verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Isn't it at salvation we got new senses that we did not have before? New taste buds for the things you used to enjoy are now distasteful. There was a change that had happened. You became a new creature in Christ, isn't it? When you got saved, we have new eyes for the entertainment you used to look at somehow looks different now. New ears for those maybe dirty jokes and negative music that have taken on a different sound now. Before you were saved, the things of God were not real and seemed boring. Now, every now and then, it captivates your soul and your heart, your every thought of the day. Especially when you see God's word being fulfilled right in front of your eyes. Isn't it? What's going on to this world? What's going on in, in, in your life, in your family? You know, especially when you have an answered prayer, when you have a promise of God that you can hold on to. Isn't it? You know God is real. You know the word of God is real. You know there's a change that's happening. But you know, there's a major problem in the church world today, the so-called church world today, many of its members have never been saved and therefore have no spiritual eyes. So lastly, the result of Paul's prayer. In the second part of chapter 1, verse 18, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in his saints. This, like three he says here, his, his calling here, in verse 18, his inheritance and his power in verse 19. Okay, the result of a Paul's prayer. First here, his calling or his spiritual purpose. You know what? This is missing in the lives of many today. No keen awareness of their purpose. They don't really know their identity in Jesus, isn't it? And that's like a real issue right now, isn't it? Missing identity, confused identity. <laughs> But you know, God's word is plain and simple and true, isn't it? You are created in God's image. You are special in God's image. You have an eternal soul. He has a plan and a purpose for you. But the world is there, especially the devil, to distort that truth, isn't it? That's why we need, we need the word of God to guide us. So what was his spiritual purpose? You know what? Our purpose is to worship God, is to glorify God is to serve God. Simply saying from the word of God. Our purpose here in this world is not just, God did not just create us for a normal, probably American. God did not just create us to get up, to go to work, to come home, to eat, to watch TV and sleep and do it all over again the next day for the next 70 years of your life. Of course, there's a vacation, some here and there, maybe some stuff that you want to buy and then you die and that's it. Wow, that is not really the purpose of life. 
God has a greater purpose for each life, for each of us in the context, especially as a believer in the local church. That's why no Christian ought to be, you know, not attached or committed or serving in a local church. Because God's blessing still flows through a local church. The local body where you can, you know, exercise your spiritual gifts and you can pray and you can... Because, yes, there's no perfect church. And neither you are perfect. And, you know, you cannot go to a perfect church, as they said, because if you think you are perfect and you go to a perfect church, that church is no longer perfect because you went there, because you are imperfect. All right? But you know what? The grace of God is still there in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. Amen? Because we are all just forgiven sinners. Amen? And the blessing is God's grace is bountiful and His mercy is enduring and His kindness is great. Look at that. Different personalities, different backgrounds. God can mix them together and do something for His glory. Have an influence, have an impact somewhere, somehow for His cause. So, his calling, spiritual purpose, let's find yours in the local church. His inheritance, it's precious. Back to verse 11, it says, that, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to his purpose of him. There was that uh, word there, inheritance, but in verse 18, we have an inheritance in God. If verse 11 says, we see that God has an inheritance in us, in verse 18, we see that we have an inheritance in God. So it tells how special we are to God. You are so important to Him that He claims you as His inheritance. You, have, you as a Christian, you as a member of Bergen Bible Baptist Church, if you are saved, born again believer in Christ, you should never hang your head low and feel like a nobody. Because God has a stake in you. He has a vested interest in you. Amen? You know why? Because He died for you. He died for me. Isn't it? And verse 19, look at the word His power. The Greek words used here, as we have heard before, the word power is dunamis, where we get the English word dynamite. Or the word energon, where we get energetic power or mighty, or whole magnitude of power. What a vocabulary here. It says, What is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? And if I ask you a question, what is the greatest display of God's power? Maybe some of you will say, the power of His creative word. Isn't it? When He created the vast universe. Because He just spoke the world into existence. And imagine... Uh, the complexity, the enormity of the galaxies and the stars. I saw like an article in, in, the, in the news like they used this powerful telescope and they saw like a spiral of galaxies. You know, and when we were in the planetarium in Creation Museum, we enjoyed that um, like a virtual tour of a little part of our universe. And we just feel how insignificant we are. How earth is just probably like a speck of dust in the entire universe. But you know what? God chose this blue planet, this world, to send his only begotten son and die for sinful men. Isn't it? But he spoke the word into existence in six literal days by the word of his power, his mouth. And what defines the whole galaxies, the star? It's just a simple phrase from the Bible. And he made the stars also. <laughs> but look at that. It's 
a great display of God's power? Yes, it was. How about Noah's flood? Isn't it? Global flood. It was a display of his great power. The great ten plagues of Egypt, the Red Sea parting, isn't it? Those are great displays of God's power. But for me personally, the greatest display of God's power is in verse 20 when the Bible says, you know, according to the working of his might power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. He's far above all principality, anything in this world, the demons, the fallen angels, the, the kings, and, and the magistrates of the world in might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only he's great in power, not only in this world, but also in each the world to come, in which is to come. Because he is going to be the ruler and sovereign king, almighty king, lord of lords and king of kings, not just in this world, but for the world to come and for all eternity. And had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fill it all in all. Why did I say the greatest display of God's power is the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Isn't it, you know, that the Bible declares that what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world but loses his own soul? Isn't it? We offended an eternal God with our sin, isn't it? And that price of that sin is infinite. That's why he has to send his son who is infinitely perfect and good. Amen? The same as completely man who never sinned and also at the same time God in the flesh. So he was able to pay the price, the penalty of sin, who seems like so infinite because of all the people that would live, all their sin that they will commit from the time they were born all the way they died, isn't it? Billions of people. But Christ's death on the cross was able to fulfill the payment of every sin of every man. And God accepted that. Amen? When he raised him from the dead. So if the whole world cannot be exchanged in a single soul because the soul has eternality, its value, its worth than the whole world. Then, because of Christ's resurrection, when that soul, that person trusted Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, they'll be saved from the wrath to come and they will live with God forever in heaven. Amen? Eternally saved. But heaven and earth will not last forever, isn't it? Because there will come a time that God has to create a new heaven and a new earth. He will have to destroy this old sin, cursed world. So it was not meant to be here for all eternity. And the true global warming will come, isn't it? When God has to rain fire and brimstone to consume this world, then He create a new heaven and new. But a soul will never cease to exist. That's why the value of a soul is more than the world's wholesale value. And because a person can believe in Jesus Christ when they hear the gospel and they'll be saved. Amen? That's an eternal value in the eyes of God. Do you know why the swoon theory exists? And I'll close. Theory that Jesus passed out on the cross but didn't die. He was just revived in the coolness of the tomb. That theory exists because it is a documented historical fact that Jesus was alive after the crucifixion. With hundreds of witnesses and trusted historians recording the miraculous fact. They don't debate that, so they must scramble to explain it away by that swoon theory, which is completely false. Resurrection power. Everything hinges on the resurrection. If Jesus rose, 
He is the Son of God. And Christianity is true. And our prayers can be heard by a resurrected Savior. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the simple prayer of Apostle Paul. And thank you, Lord, that we can be reminded tonight, whatever we're going through, God has the power to get us through it. And thank you, Lord, we can be reminded also tonight that the blessings of God should motivate us to pray, to give thanks to God. Thank you, Lord, that we even have a church we can attend to, we can go to. We have a lot of people who don't have any church or they are out of church, out of your will, or they are cold in their heart. But thank you, Lord, for your wonderful grace. It's only by your grace, Lord, that we can still keep on going on for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we can count our blessings. We can share them with others. We can know you better, Lord, through your word, more personally through the experiences in life, challenges, even trials and hardships in life. Thank you, Lord, through your word, we can know our purpose in life. And we can know how valuable we are with you. And there is a power that is available for us that we can plug into so we can overcome this world, the temptations, the fiery darts of the wicked, and the neg negativity that we are uh, sensing in this world right now, and the fear and the anxiety. Thank you, Lord, that truly our hope is in the Lord. And truly, Lord, Christ ought to be praised in our lives. Bless our prayer time right now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Thank you for listening. Encourage our folks virtually with us to pray also with your loved ones and friends at home. And for us here, we'll grab our prayer partner. And that's our prayer time set up for tonight. Thank you.